Are we there? I want everybody looking in their Bible since we don't have anything on screen yet. Help those who are still struggling to open their Bibles to Acts chapter 17. And it's not in the Old Testament. Pama, why are you talking plenty like that? Acts chapter 17 verse 24. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is God, Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Go on, we are reading to 27 or so, 27, 28. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might group or group they might group or hey, what's that Oh, the F is missed. Okay, they might grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your poets have said, for we are his offspring. God created us. He made us from one blood, from one source. Paul is writing, explaining to people who didn't know God but were worshipping other things. And that is the explanation that he gave. And he says, it is in him that we live. It is in him that we move. It is in him that we have our being. All we are, all we will ever be, all our hopes is in Jesus. And this God life that we are talking about, it's all about Jesus. Don't you ever forget that. There are many areas we are going to be looking at. For now, we are just looking at our regular day-to-day living. And it's about Jesus. Everything we do must center around Jesus in our studies, in business, in our careers, whatever, it must be about Jesus. If we miss that, we miss a lot. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 from verse 1. If you're an intercessor, it's all about Jesus. If you're working in the media department, it's all about Jesus. If you are a Christian and you claim to be a Christian, it's all about Jesus. 
Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and mercy, any affection and mercy, can we move on, please? Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Uncle Solomon, please do you have your mics. Verse 9, Moses. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's all about Jesus. He's Lord. He's above all. He's the first and he's the last. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. It is this same Jesus who went to the cross of Calvary and laid down his life and shed his blood that you and I can be what we are today, that we can have a future and a hope. That is why it's very important that we never stop thinking about the cross. It's all about Jesus. I cast my care to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and his feet, my Savior
Jesus.
may I never ever forget Calvary. May I never forget the cross. May I never forget the blood that Jesus shed. His own precious blood. He shed it on Calvary. That you and I can have the life that God wants us to have. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Lay your head to rest. In your dreams, you should be praising God. So you wake up with a song on your heart, like I woke up with this song on my heart this morning. And when you wake up, it's about Jesus. His love for you. He loved you so much. And you just burst out in song, singing unto him. The one who gave his life for you. He loved you so much. Lest I forget thy love for me. This morning we'll be listening to the second part of Dr. Otabo's message on the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. Thank you very much. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice. A sacrifice. And today's message is unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Whatever we do is unto him, is unto Jesus. We, 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 don't, we don't say we are sacrificing the praise because we have a good voice. God is not interested in your good voice. We, we don't come in his presence to dance because we got the moves. God is not interested in the moves. He's interested in your heart. And he's interested whether your heart is unto him or is unto yourself. Some of us have dressed very well this morning and some of us feel that we haven't dressed well enough. God is not interested in your dressing he doesn't care about your dressing. What he cares about is that is your dressing unto him. Are you thinking about him? The sacrifice of praise. Well, I started doing a series, uh, this will be part two of it, The Sacrifice of Praise. The Sacrifice of Praise. And in this part two, my subtitle is Unto the Lord. In part one, we looked at the fruit of the lips, or of our lips, and today we look at Unto the Lord. One of the most important things we have to keep in mind uh, as we worship, as we come to church, and, and as we sing, and we dance, and we clap, is to know whom all of this is for. Because sometimes, if you're not careful, uh, you do something, and sometimes you do it for yourself, or you do it just to be happy, 
or you do it because it, it, it's fun. But our worship is unto the Lord. We, when we clap, we clap unto the Lord. When we shout, we shout unto the Lord. When we sing, we sing unto the Lord. When we dance, we dance unto the Lord. All of our praise is unto the Lord. And it's important for us to keep that focus in all that we do. So we go back to the text I started with uh, that uh, I anchored the part one uh, on, and that is in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15, it says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There are two references in this verse that I want to uh, draw your attention to. The first one is to God, to God. Let us offer the fruit of our lips to God. That means for who he is. We declare what we declare. We, we, we sing and we shout and, and we make all these pronouncements. And it is to God, to God. We offer the fruit of our lips to God for who he is. And that is basically just thanking God for who he is, not really for what he has done, but because he is God and because he is who he is. And secondly, it says not only to God, but it says to his name, to his name. That means his character, who God is, his name. And God is not anonymous. His name distinguishes him from other gods. You know, uh, in the natural, uh, a human being's name separates him uh, from other people, although some of us have names that other people have. Uh, I'm always glad that I am the only person on this earth who is called Mesa Anamua Otabe. There's nobody who bears that triple arrangement. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. You can Google it. I'm the only one called Mensa Anamua Otabel. Nobody is called. A few people have stolen parts of my name, but the, the whole string, I'm the only one. Most of you have names that about a billion people have. As some people are called Kwame Ata Mensa. You, you find so many Kwame Ata Mensas in Ghana. Uh, so, uh, but God has a name, and he's the only one who has his name. When it comes to God, other people are called gods, but God's personal name, which he revealed to Moses at the burning bush, I am. He's the only one who is the great I am. And he says when we praise him, we don't just declare it to him, but also to his name. To his name. That means we are separating God from all others. So our praise doesn't go to the wrong person. Our praise goes exactly to whom we want to praise. We thank God and we give it to his name. His name tells us of his character, the great I am. In the Old Testament, 
the Jews will worship God and they will sing because he's good and his mercies endure forever. Giving praise to God and to his name is experiential. And what does it mean? It refers to what we have come to know of God. So when I say I'm giving praise to God and I'm giving praise to his name, I'm talking about how I have experienced him. So if your experience of him is shallow, your praise will also be shallow. Your, if your experience is deep, your praise will be deep. Because when we give praise to him because of his name, we are talking about how we have experienced God. So, for example, when we experience him as Savior, we thank him for our salvation. For those who have experienced him as Savior, he is the Lord, our Savior. That's the name we give to him, Lord, our Savior. When we experience him as, him as healer, we thank him for our healing. And for such people, the name of the Lord is the Lord, the healer. If he provides for us, we know him as the Lord, the provider. Because he is the I am. I am what? I am the healer. I am the, he the, the deliverer. I am the savior. I am the provider. But some of us have only known him as the savior, but we have not known him as the healer. And I pray that you will experience God in all his names, in the fullness of his name, that you have an experience of him that is deep. So when you come and it's time to worship God. You draw from the deep wells of your experience of him. And when you say, Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for providing for me. Because if you've been broke before, if you've been broke before, and God has provided for you, you will know him as a great provider. Because that's his name to you. I remember when I was very young as a child, we, our family was okay, but, you know, like a typical Ghanaian family, always in trouble, broke, especially when my father lost his job. And the family was going through severe hardship, but my mother was a woman of faith, and, and many times we'll come and there's nothing. And she'll say, God will do it. God will provide and, and, and somehow she say, you know, somehow God will provide and she will pray. And as a child, I learned once my mother says God will provide, something will show up. Something will show up. And, and so we'll be at home and then somebody will come, you know, maybe from uh, somewhere, a relative or a friend or someone. And will come and say, oh, I, I, know, I, I just came and I brought this. And, and they will give us maybe uh, some food stuff or they'll give my mother some money. And that will be what we live on. So we got to know that God is not just the savior of our souls. We know his name. He's the great provider. If you've never been broke before, you will never know him as the provider. If you've never been sick, you'll never know him as a healer. But when you experience him in your worship, in your praise, you praise his name, the great I am who saves, who delivers, who provides. And I pray that you will experience God in a deep way so your worship and your praise will also be deep. We give him the praise unto God and to his name, who he has become to us. And that is important. 
And we give praise to the name of the Lord to show who he is to us. And this point is emphasized in the opening verses of Psalm 29. Psalm 29 verses 1 and 2. And it says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And what this verse tells us is that our worship belongs to God alone. We do not divide our worship. Because what I saw my mother do, if, if we were in hardship and somebody brought some foodstuff or some money or, or something, we thank the person, but her praise, and I, I, she would be singing in the house and waving her, her hands and thanking God because she knows although a human being brought it, the one who made the human being bring it is God. Our worship is to God alone. We appreciate people for what they do for us. We appreciate people for their kindness to us. But when we want to ascribe worship, it doesn't go to a human being. It goes to God. Our worship is to God alone. Because if you're not careful, you're going to worship the people God uses to bless you. And there'll be nothing left for God because you've given all the worship to a human being. God can use a doctor to bring health to you, but your healing is from God. He can use somebody to open a door for you, but your favor is from God. Our worship is to God alone. And if you're going to be a true worshiper, you have to learn to distinguish the people God uses from God. He uses people, but they are not God. And much as we are appreciative and we honor the people, we have to always be careful not to give what is due to God to a human being. Our worship belongs to God alone. And in the verse, it says, we give him all our strength and honor. It says, give unto the Lord all you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Our glory and strength refers to all that we have achieved. The thing that makes us strong. That means that when I have become strong, when, when I've been blessed, when I've become mighty, when I come before God, I give all of that to him. So if you are a king, you, come, you cannot be in the presence of God and behave like a king. So if you are a king and, and people wait on you and people bow before you, you cannot come before the presence of God and tell your servant, bow for, bow for me. No. You, you take your strength, you take your glory, you take all that God has given to you, and you say, Lord, it's yours. We give to him our strength. We give to him our glory. We give to him everything we are. You cannot be arrogant in the presence of God. 
You cannot be proud in the presence of God. You cannot be conscious of your status and your position and who you are in the presence of God. And you cannot be shy in the presence of God. When it comes to the presence of God, we are enthusiastic. And we give him our glory and our strength. We give it all to him. And the second thing you notice is that not only do we give him our strength and glory, says we give him what is worthy and befitting. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. That means we must be intentional to give to God what we consider worthy of him. That's always difficult. Because God has left us to show how, for us to determine how much he's worthy to us. He's, he's not, he says, if you think I'm important, show it. If you really believe I'm, I'm the one who has given you what you have, show it. He's given us the freedom. We give him the glory that is befitting to his name. So the question we ask when we are worshiping God is, is this befitting? Is this deserving? If I dance more at a party than I danced before God, then I'm showing who deserves my dance more. Now, I am generally not a dancer. I dance with my hands. I just do that. Or I, I, I move my feet one way, two way. I've never been a dancer since I was young. I'm, I'm, I'm not properly coordinated. And I don't want to dance like a European. So, so Africans have rhythm, so I have to just be careful that my dance doesn't betray my un-Africanness. <laughs> So I, I do very, so wherever I go, uh, I'm not going to dance vigorously. But some of you are major dancers. You dance. You dance at adorings. You dance at funerals. You dance at parties. You dance everywhere. But when you come to church, no dance. So what are you saying? You're saying, Lord, the party deserves my dance. The wedding deserves my dance, but not you. Because we have to give him the glory due to him. And there must be nothing we give somebody else that is greater than what we give to God. You cannot praise something else more than God. You cannot praise food more than God. Because for some of us, when we come to food, we wax eloquent. And we, we begin to speak very poetic about the food and how the fufu has been and how the soup is and how the meat is and the smell of it and the herbs and the spice. We name the spices one by one. And when there is a crab there, we say, this one is a proper crab. This is not a proper crab. This is snail and, and all of that. And you, you, you have so much 
language. Some of us are so fascinated by football, we can describe a goal that a footballer scored with superlatives. But when it comes to God, there's no superlative. The words you use to praise a goal in soccer is greater than the words you use to praise God. So, are you giving him the glory that is due to his name? Or a friend. You know, sometimes you have a friend you love so much because they mean so much to you. And there are people who speak and say, oh, as for this, my friend, if I'm sitting on him, I will get up. Now, do you say that about God? Do you describe God in those words? Because sometimes people say, I don't even know what to say uh, to, to, to worship God. But you know what to say about Messi's goal. You know what to say about the food you just ate. You know what to say about a food, a, a, a friend. You know what to say about a film, a movie you watch or a song you listen to. You say, oh, this song moved my heart. Oh, this song. It takes me places I've never been before. Can you say, Lord, you take me places I've never been before? If you can say that about music, you should say better about God. The reason why many of us find it difficult to worship God is because we reserve our best words for something else. For a girl. For a man. for a friend, for food, for fun. It's like a Ghanaian who has traveled to Spain, Barcelona, or they went for a cruise to Greece, and they come, and the description, they sit in their description, hey, Messi! <laughs> Is that not so? And they clap their hand. And they say, and, and, hey! And then the same person will come to church. And it's quiet. By that action, you are showing who is your God. So the psalmist says, give him what is due what he's worthy of. If you think God is worthy, if you think he's your deliverer, then praise him as your deliverer. If you think he's your provider, praise him as your provider. If you think he's your healer, praise him as your healer. Give honor to his name and do it in a befitting manner. Now, all of us are guilty of it. There are things we speak more highly of and we wax more eloquent about than our praise of God. But we're all learning, and we all have to develop the discipline of reserving our choicest vocabulary for God. Our deepest, most emotional expression must be to God. Our worship belongs to God alone. We can appreciate people but worship total devotion only belongs to God.
Last time when I spoke, I talked about uh, the, the worship in the temple, which was daily in the morning and the evening. We talked about the incense that goes up in the morning and goes up in the evening. And, and there's something I just want to talk about to help us qualify our worship properly. Exodus chapter 30, verse 8 and 9. Exodus 30, 8 and 9. And it says, And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, that's in the evening, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. So this uh, is talking about the altar of incense. And it says, when Aaron goes in the night, uh, both in the morning and the night, uh, he has to put incense on this altar of incense because that incense uh, represents the, the prayer, the worship, the praise of the people, and it's there throughout, day and night. And it says that's what he should, they should do. But if you look at the passage, it, it carries some very peculiar instructions. And we'll, we'll look at the two things that it addresses. First, it says in verse 9, you shall not offer strange incense on it. It's for incense, but don't offer strange incense. That means don't make, give a mistaking offering. An offering that is not approved. A strange incense was incense. But if you look at the Old Testament, the incense had to be made according to prescription. And there were specific spices that have been, that must be used uh, to make the incense. And specific people who produce the incense. And God says, don't present strange incense. In other words, don't just pick any incense at all and come and burn on my altar. Don't, don't just take anything at all and present it on my altar. So God is very specific about the worship or that we give to him. He says, don't just take the wrong thing. Don't take strange incense. Don't take something that is wrong and bring it to my house or bring it to my altar. So God has some peculiarities about what he's looking for, that the offering I'm giving to worship him, it has to be done right. It has to be done right. It must not be a mistake. And if you know your Bible uh, well, uh, I think in the book of Leviticus or so, uh, most, uh, Aaron's children uh, brought strange incense to put on that altar. They are pastor's kids, and they offer strange incense. The Bible says fire came from that altar and consumed them. God didn't say, oh, that's the high priest's children. If they offer strange incense, that's fine. But they died. And that shows how important it is that the worship that we give to God must be right. It must be right. Even when we dance before the Lord, it has to be right. You can't be wiggling your waist back and forth in praise of God. You, you, you get me? So you, you must dance, but be careful you are not dancing as a bunny in the house of God. 
You must be mindful. This is to God. This is not a party dance. And I'm not saying go and dance that at a party too. You're a Christian. Wherever you are, you belong to God. But some of you, your dance. I don't know why Africans are waste must always dance. I was talking to a, a professional dancer, African, you know, a, a, a dance choreographer. I said, why is it that we always dance and our waist must go somewhere? He says, that's African dance. <laughs> that's African dance. I said, can't the waist be stable? He said, that, no, Africans, we, we have to move the waist. Either left to right or back and front. <laughs> now, left to right is not too bad. Back and front is very bad. Back and front is very, very bad. You can't stand in the presence of God, you're worshiping God, and your waist is going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. That is strange incense. That is strange incense. It's a dance, all right, but it's strange. It cannot be offered on the temple of God. So make sure that what you're offering to God is right. And then the second thing uh, he says, which is very interesting, uh, and I, I will say a little bit more about it, is misplaced offering. And when you look at the text, it's quite an interesting one. And I, I spent quite a lot of time trying to understand that instruction. He says, you shall not offer strange incense on it. That we understand nor a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. So what is he saying? He says, you don't have to make an offering in the wrong place. The burnt offering is a good offering. The grain offering is a good offering. But there's a place for the grain offering. There's a place for burnt offering. There's a place for all these offerings. He says, on my incense offering altar, you don't make those offerings. And what God is saying is something may be right for something else, but it may not be appropriate at another place. And when it comes to worship, we have to be very careful. That something may be right, but it has, we have to make sure we are not offering the wrong thing or the right thing in the wrong place. And let me just give you an example of it. You know, whatever we do in offering, in worship, we're giving it to the Lord. So, for example, when we clap, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. So when we clap, we are clapping to the Lord. When we shout, we are shouting to the Lord. When we lift up our hands, it's unto the Lord. If you change that, and for example, you are worshiping and somebody says, let's clap. And as we clap, the devil is being slapped. The we are slapping the devil. We are slapping the devil. Now, it may sound spiritual. There is a place for spiritual warfare, but not on this altar. So on the altar of worship, we don't clap to slap the devil. The devil is not in the equation. On the altar of worship, we clap unto the Lord to hail him. Because I see a lot of those things. People say, let's clap and ask you to clap. The devil is being slapped back and forth. And so what happens is that what is due God, we forget it. And our worship is no longer unto God. 
it is just offering something for ourselves. And you know why those offerings were not supposed to be on the altar incense? It's because the burnt offering, it is for the people. The people have sinned and they go and make offering. The grain offering is for the people. But he says things that are to benefit you, you don't put it on the altar of incense because everything on the altar of incense is totally to God. I believe in spiritual warfare, but our worship must not be for spiritual warfare. God engages in battle for us when we worship, but we don't engage in battle with our worship. We don't engage in battle with our worship. God does it. The Israelites went into battle in 2 Chronicles 20. And the praise leaders went and God set ambushment. But they didn't do that to say, as we are worshiping, we are fighting the enemy. No, they worship God and say, because he is good and God says, you worship me, I fight for you. If we worship God, he weaponizes and fights for us. But you don't say, I am fighting this battle and I'm doing it in worship. Then, then who is your worship to? Because you lose focus of whom you are worshiping. You worship God, he fights your battle. You don't worship and fight with your worship. Your worship is always to God. And the altar where we give our highest worship to God must always be done consciously. This is unto God. We don't clap to slap the devil. We don't stamp our feet to stamp the devil under our feet. We, we do all of this as praise to God. And the Lord we worship sees fit to fight for us and to give us the victory. Are you following me? Does God fight for us? Yes. As we worship that the Lord fight for us? Yes. But it's not ours to do it. The battle is the Lord's. The warfare is God's. Yours. Give him all your worship. So when you come to worship, don't think about the devil and I'm standing on the stamp of the devil and I'm defeating the devil. Just say, I'm worshiping God. I'm praising him. I'm giving him all that is within me. And God knows how to fight your Is there a place where we do spiritual warfare? Yes, there is a place for spiritual warfare, but not on this altar. The altar of worship is for worship. Before we close, I want us just to spend a couple of minutes to give God praise and to give him worship. Lift it, stand up. Just for two minutes. Two minutes. What do you want to tell God? Who is he to you? This week, what has he done for you? In the past week, the whole of this year, what has he done for you? Praise his name. and Lift up your holy hands to God. And begin to declare from your lips who he is. Oh, yes, Lord. You say we should declare from our lips. Don't keep your lips tight. Thank you, Lord. Talk to God. 
in your own words, in your own way. Praise and honor and adoration to you. Open your mouth, the fruit of your lips. Praise and honor. It's a sacrifice. And adoration. Think, think, think. You are And giving that which is due him. You are strength. You are shield. Everything belongs to you. It all belongs to you, Lord. Our praise belongs to you. The fruit of our lips belongs to you. You are the giver. You use people, but you are the giver. You are my helper. You are my deliverer. Don't look around. No Don't be walking you. around. This is only time for walking around. My eyes are Nobody should be walking Lord. around. Hold on. You can wait. You can great go to the God washroom Almighty. later on. The great I am. You are my sufficiency. There is nothing I need that you cannot provide. You make my heart complete. You make my life complete. Who is God to you? I honor Tell you, him. Lord, this morning. He's looking I declare at your, your majesty and your beauty and your power. He wants to hear the fruit of your you lips. I celebrate you for who you are. Give it to him this morning. For what you have done. It's unto him. What has for God what done you are for doing. you? For what you do. The kingdom is yours. The glory is yours. The praise is yours. With no strings attached, we worship you. With no strings attached, we honor you, Lord. We declare your praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to do something else before I sit down. There are many ways to praise God, and one of it is with a shout. No, 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 don't shout now. When we shout, we are not disturbing the devil. We are shouting to God. So forget about the devil. Because people say, when you shout, the devil is disturbed. The devil, it's not about the devil, it's about God. It's unto him. And then we clap our hands too. We are not slapping our enemy. We are hailing God. We say, we celebrate you, Lord. We celebrate you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. So give him the Attacks. And when we come to worship God, 
pure incense must go to him. Pure incense of gratitude must go to the Lord. Amen. God bless you.
continue our discussions but there are one or two things I want to share with us before we go there I wanted to call us all back so that I address us on these issues at the end of the service but I feel like doing it now so that at the end of service I don't disrupt your discussions especially for those who like to extend the discussions a little Next week, Sunday. By the way, today, I don't, happen to, I don't know what happened to us. How many of us were here by seven? Lift your hands, let me see. Those were here by seven. And God was here, was waiting for us. Where were we, including the facilitators? Where were we? If you, couldn't, if you can't come to church at seven, you know what it means. You didn't do your quiet time. I know. You didn't do your quiet time. This is not prophecy. You woke up and your mind was not really totally on God. Because if you know you have an appointment with God, you are going to meet God. It's only once a week. Let's repent. Next week is a very special Sunday. And I want everybody listening to me this morning to be here by 7 a.m. Did you hear? Yeah. When should you be here next week? Yeah. We'll be at the gates with case for those who come after 7 a.m. Yeah. But on a more serious note, next week we have a special guest and please don't disgrace yourselves. Don't let's disgrace ourselves before our guest and also before God. And next week, I want everybody to bring his own musical instrument to church. Don't come with your bare hands. If you come with a bell, if you come with a whistle, if you come with wood, whatever you come with, come to church with something to praise God. It's not about the niceness or the sound like what Michael is playing. It's not like the good sounds that um, Uncle uh, Ivan gives us on the drums. It's about your holy noise unto the Lord. And next week, we are going to have a Holy Ghost jump in this place. 
and it will be unto the Lord. So, I expect you to come early and let's give unto God the praise and the worship that is due him. Okay, facilitators, take over and uh, continue your discussions. <laughs>